After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all, and all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
reading from Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quickening and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. to 
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Trinity Cathedral on this All Saints Day. I'd like to tell you just a few things about what's coming up. Immediately following Evensong, there is a light supper. I believe it's vegetarian chili served in Cathedral Hall. And following that, the fourth and final uh, chapter in uh, uh, Canon Rackley's series on faith history and the personal journey uh, will uh, concern itself with Beyond Belief, the Secret Gospel of Thomas by Elaine Hagels. A couple of bulletins about uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. We will be celebrating our own saints on that day and, and reading their names, but we will do so uh, refreshed in uh, body, mind, and spirit by pancakes that our youth are going to be providing uh, beginning at 8.30 uh, in the morning. Also to let you know that our green team at the cathedral on November 8th and 15th, a week from tonight and two weeks, will be presenting screening and discussion of, of the two uh, movies, Truth to Power, which is a sequel to and Inconvenient Truth, uh, both of which have to do with former uh, Vice President Al Gore's uh, concern for the environment. We are pleased that our environment this evening uh, includes uh, the Reverend Dr. Shanti Monroe, who is Senior Pastor, Plymouth Church of Shaker Heights. 
And I'm going to ask her neighbor to exercise the prerogatives of a neighbor and introduce her, Todd. <laughs> graced us with her presence and preaching, already know what a gifted uh, preacher she is. And uh, I couldn't resist taking this uh, opportunity to introduce her uh, since she has, I don't know for how many years, a good number of years now, been willing to take time from her very busy life to come and be with us for an evening and uh, preach. And uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing Shanthea and her family for mm, at least the last, what, 10 years, and as a neighbor, friend, colleague, and her wonderful family, we've had a chance to see kids grow up together on the same street, so on all these different levels, it's a great, great pleasure to welcome Shanthea back. She's, I think, one of the really gifted preachers that it's ever been my pleasure to hear. So I, I told her I was setting her up to that large a degree, so we'll see what happens tonight. Thank you for being here. I should begin by offering my great thanks to Todd Wilson for the invitation and my expression that I only wish my mother were here to hear all this praise will surely go to my head. When Todd contacted me about preaching in this fall cycle, I immediately said, yes, it's always such a privilege and a pleasure to be with you in this gorgeous setting and to hear such phenomenal music so beautifully conducted and arranged. And then he told me what my options were for scripture readings for this night. And I saw Matthew, and I saw Revelation, and I immediately threw the Revelation passage into the garbage. Because nobody in their right mind preaches on the Revelation of John. And then as I cast it aside, I remembered the words of one of my great mentors and friends, David Bartlett, who was my preaching professor at Divinity School. And he once said, do not overlook a scripture just because it doesn't strike you right away. You never know where the good news will be found. David Bartlett passed away about a month ago. He's one of the saints that I personally list as I come to this night, and so in his spirit, of course, I was willing to take a second look at the book of Revelation. It was not encouraging. The book of Revelation is disliked universally by preachers because it's so hard to interpret. The name itself, the Revelation of John, comes from the first word found in the book, the Greek word apocalypsis, which despite what you might think as meaning disaster, the end times, it instead means a revealing, an unveiling, the revelation of John. Ta-da! It's not how we feel, though, is it? It's less exciting and unveiling and more apocalyptic and, frankly, quite 
cryptic, as a parishioner of mine once said when reading from the Revelation of John, it's just a little judgy for my tastes. Plus, there are all those images that are hard to interpret. The beast, the whore of Babylon, lakes of fire, rivers of blood. I had someone actually in a Bible study once ask, how can you get robes as white as snow when you're dipping them in blood? I thought we were taking it a little too literally. And the truth is that if you read through the Revelation of John, the images it conjures, the picture it produces, is more befitting a slasher movie from last night than the good news we might be seeking on an All Saints Sunday. I have this negative impression of this text, and I'm not alone. The Eastern Orthodox tradition does not read from the book of Revelation and its divine offices. It is the only book in the New Testament it doesn't read from. Martin Luther, whose memory of 500 years ago nailing up those 95 theses, Martin Luther in his introduction to the New Testament book of Revelation said that it is neither apostolic nor prophetic. And the Revelation of John is the only book on which John Calvin did not write a commentary. He had a lot to say on many things, but not this one. And so it's very tempting on a night like tonight to set that particular reading aside and to instead do what we so often like to do, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy a recitation of the Beatitudes like a box of bonbons. We pop those blessings into our mouths. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness. That would be the easy thing to do. That would be the preferred thing to do, to stand up here and talk about blessings. But I tell you what, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year. And when I think about apocalyptic texts, I could write a story of the last 12 months that would tell such a tale to rival John's words. <laughs> I am not going to talk about politics. Instead, I will talk about all that has happened in the lives of people I know. I am aware that as I stand in this place, and though I have preached many times, this is the first time that I have looked across the aisle and not seen the face of Tracy Lind. I know what a loss that is to a community. I cannot detail for you the other losses that this particular community has suffered. I know that at Plymouth Church and Shaker Heights, we have suffered our own losses. In the last 14 months, I have done 20 funerals, 20, a record-breaking year, and that's a bad record to break. And I am now long enough into my tenure as the senior minister that I am not burying strangers. I am burying friends. And I have come to understand all too well what a good friend of mine said decades ago, that ministry is one of the only jobs that if you do it well, it will break your heart to love and be with people in good times and bad, and then at the end, to sit with them, to watch them take their last breath, to be the person who officiates 
at their services. It has been an apocalyptic year in my community. And these were not just random people who sat in the pews. These were pillars. These were saints of the church. And each one, and they clustered in threes, you know they do, each one felt like a body blow, like the community could barely catch its breath before the next one struck. We buried a woman who had reached the age of 104. We buried a young man who had barely turned 20. It has been a heck of a year. I could stand here and name them for you. I could call out the names of Bert and June Antoine. I could tell you about Ladine Rudder's work with the Memorial Committee or George Quay working with the Boy Scouts. I could describe the candles that Tess Epic prepared for every Christmas Eve service or the wedding coordination gifts of Carol Mao. It wouldn't mean anything to you. These names would probably not strike you as saints on your particular list. But I'm guessing that as I refer to the deaths, those who have gone by the wayside in this last year, you've got your own list. You're touching those wounds, those scars, maybe from recently and maybe from long ago, those people who are no longer with us. We remember our saints. You have your saints, I have mine, the beloved in Christ who have made such a difference in our lives. And if we stood up and we read a list of their names, it would be long, even if we kept it only to those who were known publicly, we would have a whole different list privately. And the truth is, that's what this day is about. For this is All Saints Day, a day to remember the saints, we are told in the Roman Catholic tradition, those known and unknown. It is a day, according to the Roman Catholic rite, where the saints militant those still in this earthly plane, celebrate the saints triumphant, those who have gone on. I find that description a little ethereal. I much prefer the United Methodist description of today, that All Saints Day is a day for celebrating the famous or the obscure in our midst. Mostly, the Methodists tell us we should be celebrating those who have led us to faith. When I think of those people, not all of them have passed from this world. Some of them are in this room. Saints who have gone on ahead and saints who still stand with me. This All Saints Day. It is a mixed day to celebrate those who have died, to remember all they have done for us and what it means to us. It's been a hard year. I warned Todd that as I was preparing the sermon, it struck me that I might just stand up here and cry for 12 minutes. I have a big cry coming. I am owed one, but I haven't been able to unload. Instead, like so many other people, I have been dragging the burden of grief with me, and I've become somewhat brittle, a little emotional, a little touchy. I recognize it. It's a sign of grief. It reminds me of a woman in my last congregation, a woman named Margaret, whose son, who was in adulthood, suddenly died 
I can't remember if it was a heart attack or a stroke, but it was one of those random tragic events that takes someone in midlife, and she was devastated. Devastated. And for years after her son's death, I'd be having a conversation with Margaret, and she would find herself tearing up. As she said, for no reason, with no explanation, she would just find herself crying. And then one day, years after her son had died, and she found herself dabbing her eyes once again while having a conversation with me, I said, Margaret, are you all right? And she said, oh, it's okay. I have finally learned that great love requires many tears. And that was a revelation to me. Great love requires many tears. And so we listen to those words from the revelation of John. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb of God at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. I think about Margaret. I think about this passage from this besmirched piece of the New Testament. And I am suddenly aware that this is a moment of unveiling. The reason we find this gem in the midst of this book whose imagery is so disturbing and so crazy and so hard to interpret, the reason we can find this gem at the center of it is because we recognize this God. Not in the whore of Babylon, not in the rivers of blood or the lake of fire, we recognize our God in these words, for this is a God who will wipe every tear from our eyes. This is the God who gave us Jesus Christ, who speaks the words to his disciples that I have said so many times this year, I am sick to death of them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. We recognize this loving, merciful God in these words from Jesus and in this passage from Revelation. And we understand that even though we grieve for those who have died, we do not grieve as people without hope. No matter what happens to us in life, whether it's a pile of funerals or a really bad outcome to an election, we are not people without hope. We serve a loving God who stands by us, who walks with us, and when we are overwhelmed with grief because of so much great love and so much loss, that this is a God who loves us enough, who will dry every tear that we shed. David Bartlett was right. You never know 
where the good news will come from. Amen.
After a long day, evening has fallen with its promise of stillness and quiet. We pray for the grace to be still and quiet in the presence of God. After a long day, evening us, offers us opportunity to lay aside stress we have experienced, weariness we may feel, unhappiness we may have encountered. We pray for the grace to find relief from stress, rest for our weariness, and happiness in your creation. After a long day, evening brings darkness. We pray for the grace to know your light and to rejoice in your promise that the night will lead us to a new day of hope and promise, of happiness and energy, of accomplishment and satisfaction. In your name we pray, amen. amen. And since it is by your mercy, O oh God, that another day has been added to our lives, we here dedicate ourselves, our bodies and souls, to you and to your service. In which resolution, God, confirm and strengthen us that as we grow in age, we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in whose name we offer these are imperfect prayers. Amen. As we say, bring us, O Lord God, at our last awakening into the house and gate of heaven, to enter into that gate and dwell in that house where there shall be no darkness or dazzling, but one equal light, no noise or silence, but one equal music, no fears nor hopes, but one equal possession, no ends nor beginnings, but one equal eternity, in the habitations of thy glory and dominion, world without end. Amen. Let us bless the Peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always.